What's up, everybody? Jay Miller bringing a What I'm podcast. I know that's not the intro. I don't care. I've got a new microphone. I hope it sounds good. If it doesn't sound good, I'm going to be really sad. But that's not why I came to talk to you. Oh, boy. Zoom, zoom, zoom. So a Medium post came out earlier about a vulnerability that is available from the Zoom application. Apparently, once installed, it creates a web server that stays on even if you uninstall Zoom. And from that point, it proceeds to... I don't know, what's the word? Like, basically just stay open waiting, (laughs) just waiting for someone to connect. And if no one connects, then... Okay, that's terrible, you know? I'm going to try to do this crossover stereo thing. So I don't know. I might be breaking something. Let's put this on mono. Oh, there we go. Mono. We don't really need the mono enhancer. All right. Now we're in stereo. So note to self, add that channel. But yeah, it's it sucks that an application that I've used, that I've promoted, that I've recommended to so many people that I've required people to install um, if they want to podcast or be a guest on my podcast. Uh, It sucks that they are now under fire for their neglect in this situation. And and the neglect with it is that they were told about it. They said they did a quick patch. The quick patch apparently didn't work and they waited the appropriate amount of time. The, uh, the person who notified zoom, they waited the appropriate amount of time to give them enough time to resolve the issue. And it looks like the issue was not resolved. And this, this is a bad look for zoom. I don't, I don't know what, I mean, I genuinely don't know what zoom is going to do other than fix the issue like they should have. Uh, But I think that there is going to be a negative backlash on this. I think if anything, Skype just said, yo, we the boss, we, we run this zoom. You had your chance and you screwed it up. And, and I really do think that that's what happened. But now the bigger question is what am I going to do? I, I don't know. I don't know what is my next step here. If I were being lazy about it, I would just say, well, that's fine. I have a Skype account. I'll just switch back to Skype. But Skype feels a little bloated and I don't like how Skype. I don't know. Like, I feel like the network connection with Skype is never as reliable as I want it to be. Uh, there are the other options of utilizing WebRTC for some of these things. WebRTC is like this really cool like web platform that allows you to send your audio or video or both uh, across the web. Uh, Chrome's been using it for years and Safari has finally started providing some more support for it. The only problem is most of the people who are building these tools would have to then upgrade their WebRTC protocols to 
be compatible with what Zoom, or not Zoom with what um, Apple and the new WebRTC that they support. Uh, basically, it's not backwards compatible. So I would have to utilize a product that is like, okay, we're running the same WebRTC versions on both sides. Everything's connected properly. Both people are using Safari or both people are using Chrome or whatever, and everything works. That's also not a good solution. Um, I know the podcasters out there listening to this will probably say, hey, why don't you try like Zencaster or one of those applications that does stuff? Well, I could do that. Yeah. But again, the the force to use Chrome is not favorable for me. I, I don't like telling someone, oh, if you want to do this, then you have to have this thing. And I, I guess what I'm saying is it, it kind of sucks because I was telling people, oh, if you want to record on this, you have to use Zoom. But ultimately, I wasn't. I was saying, like, I prefer Zoom. Here's all the stuff for Zoom. If you want to use Zoom, that's fine. If you don't, then I can pull up a Skype window against my better judgment. I can set up a call on FaceTime. I can go to a Google Hangout, you know, chat or whatever and make it work with with these tools like uh zencaster and a cat not a cast it's uh was it tricast or something like that um and then another one that i just found called Squadcast. they're they're all saying if you want to use this product you have to use chrome and chrome is still a bloated like whale of a product um, that's the reason why I don't run Chrome unless I absolutely have to, because it is always like it's it's always bogging down my system <laughs> like for a while, even after I'm done using it, it. I feel like there's still remnants of it just hanging out doing stuff. And maybe that's just me not being as security or network conscious as I should be. But I, I don't know. I, I'm just really against the idea of forcing a myself to use Chrome for the amount of podcasting that I do, which is pretty regular, at least once or twice a week. And moreover, I, I don't want to have my guests also be required to use Chrome. I, I think that that's a decision that they should make. Uh, so that said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I really don't. And I can't use Zoom anymore. Like I, I, I really cannot like if Zoom releases a patch today, or like tonight, fixing the issue, I would still have a hard time telling people, oh, by the way, I use Zoom. Is that cool? Blah, blah, blah. I don't think that they would enjoy that. But I don't know what is the next step here. And by the way, this is all going to be um, kind of also relayed in my newsletter. Uh, if you like this then maybe you will like the newsletter. We've been growing. I'm super excited. The newsletter has been growing as much as it has been. So go over to the homepage, productivityintech.com. That is the business that I run and subscribe to the newsletter. You'll hear some of my thoughts about this. Obviously, if you're listening to it, you can <laughs> skip that and move on to the next section of the newsletter. But we'll also talk about some of my guests for the podcast and things like that. Speaking of which, my guest for this next uh, pit podcast was John Svazik, who is an information security expert. And I would 
be interested to hear what his opinion is on this topic. So I, I can't, I, I don't think I'd be able to get him onto the show again. Like that's not going to happen, but I, maybe I can reach out to him on Twitter and get his scoop on the situation. But yeah, I mean, that, that was a really good podcast. I feel like the audio was about as good as I could make it. Um, there were some artifact, there was some artifacting on it and I feel bad because I do believe he did record his in locally, but when I was putting everything together, I think I just didn't have it or I, I had gone too far at that point. And I was like, I'm not doing this again. Sorry. But all in all, it's a really great episode. Uh, I believe that the audio quality is pretty good. His audio quality was better than mine. Uh, but hopefully with this new microphone, we'll fix that. Uh, what else is going on? I have discovered Bulma. Uh, for those that don't know, I use a front-end framework for a lot of my websites. The web framework that I've used most is called Bootstrap. I believe it was originally created by Twitter. It's now open source and... It's a really cool product. It's widely supported. There's a huge community around it. Uh, there's a lot of themes for it, if that's your thing. Uh, I personally like making my own themes. And one of the things that I noticed with Bootstrap was that it it can be a little bloated and it also runs on the jQuery engine, which there's nothing wrong with jQuery. I like jQuery. I'll be the first to tell you that I think jQuery is kind of cool. I do think, however, jQuery is getting a little outdated. There are better JavaScript frameworks like Vue uh, and React. I still don't understand React, uh, but I also don't understand Node. So that kind of makes sense. I like Vue. I like Vue as a front-end tool. You'll see Vue pop up every once in a while in my static pages. Um, I don't know how you can say, oh, I have a static page, but I also run Vue. Uh, so there, there is that. Uh, but... All in all, Bulma is just a, a competitor to this, uh, to Bootstrap, and it, it's just another option. And it claims to be the CSS only uh, front end framework. It is very similar in how it's set up, uh, but I do think I like the defaults a little bit better than Bootstrap. I wanted to use Tailwind. I ran into this weird issue where they were like, well, you can use a CDN if you want, but you're going to miss out on all of these great uh, features because you're not running the JavaScript, the full JavaScript uh, compiler, I guess, or yeah, post compile. I don't know what it is. But when I saw Bulma, I, I thought that was really cool that you were able to get the full functionality because you're getting, it's all CSS. Like, yeah, it can be modified using something like less or SAS, but at the end of the day, it is 100% CSS, no JavaScript required, uh, which will also make it run slightly faster. And uh, if people are blocking JavaScript for some reason on their browsers, uh, not necessarily something that's unheard of, then you will be able to still have some of the design traits that you are used to. It does require like HTML5, which... I mean, at this point, this day and age with my target audience, if you're not using HTML5, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm not the editor for you, I guess. I'm not the marketer for you. But all in all, Bulma's really nice. Uh, it's let me play with Render Engine a little bit more, which uh, for those that don't know, Render Engine is my 
Flask-like static web page generator that I've been building for the past, uh, I don't know, a few months. And it's really cool. It's, it's cool to kind of think about, okay, what would this look like if it supported plugins or, you know, what would it look like if you were to use add-ons and how would you install those add-ons? And right now I'm doing it the hard way by just like hard coding things in. And, uh, right now, and this will be probably the last thing I'll talk about. Uh, I have switched to a branch development workflow on pit and pit related products. And we'll talk about that in a second, but you know, making this switch to Bulma has really got me thinking about how I would figure things out like that in the future. So yeah, I don't know. By the way, I've just decided this is going to be a pit podcast thing. This isn't going to be a, what I'm, I'm really, I'm, I've got way too many podcasts, way too many audiences all over the place. Uh, yeah, it's just going to be a pit podcast thing. So I'm going to record, uh, do a new intro in here. Like, Hey, what's up everybody? It's Jay Miller. Welcome back to the pit podcast. Solo uh, weekly update. I know that the episode just launched on Tuesday. So this is going to be coming out to you on Thursday, but I'm recording it on Monday because of the news that just came out with zoom. Boom. Recording. Stitch that in for myself. You got this, put it at the beginning. You're great. Okay. But anyway, back to this last topic here. Uh, yeah, using using Netlify has using Netlify has really given me some bad habits. I, I think the worst habit is that of just pushing things and letting them go to live. Not the best plan. Um, so I had two options. I could either have it push and then deploy it manually, which I'm not a fan of, or I could implement a branch workflow strategy. And for those that don't know, Git is a version control system. It allows you to take uh, basically the history of a project that you've been working on and be able to work with those multiple versions. You get to see a full history of those versions as you've set them. And one of the cool features of Git is that you can do what's called a branch. And what that is, that is like basically a copy of your project um, preserved with its own like history set. Uh, so what you'll see with these like branch workflow designs is if you're working with multiple people, not everybody is working on the master code because that would be dangerous. People can make mistakes. There could be bugs. What someone's doing on one end could have problems on another end. So what you would do is you would create like your own branch of that code and it would be, you know, for me, it would be JM, whatever I'm doing. And then as you're developing that code, you would just continue to work on it. And then once you're done working on it, you would then pull all of the updates that other people have been publishing to live, you know, in their own processes and then make sure that your code still works. And if it does, everything's hunky-dory, cool. You can now merge your content into master. Um, so yeah, I've, I've always kind of been a solo developer. I've not really worked with a lot of other developers. So for me, I've never had a reason to implement multiple branches other than the idea of like, oh, well, it keeps your root code clean and then you can 
screw up a bunch. And then if you mess it up, you just delete that branch and start over. Yeah, I, I could do that. Or I could just do the work in master and then no one ever notices the difference. But this was, this is coming from when I used to operate servers and basically I would develop a master, test it once it was tested, then I would move it over to the server. And then that's what people would see because I'm using Netlify. Netlify basically acts as my server. When I push my content to GitHub, it says, oh, hey, there's something new. Let me go and add that and make it live if I can. It'll try it. If it works, then sweet, it made it live. Um, this sucks when you're doing any type of front end work that will not break your code, but it will make it look absolutely horrendous. So because of that, I am doing this branch workflow now. So all of my updates will, are, will be on different branches. And one of the things that's actually really good about that is that Netlify does give you the ability to still see those changes implemented under a different branch. So if you knew what branch I was working on, or say I wanted someone to look at some code and maybe make some suggestions and they wanted to see what it looked like in live, I could say, Hey, go to JM underscore or JM dash test dash, whatever, whatever, whatever dot productivity.com or productivity and tech.com. And then they would be able to see it, but that's not necessarily the case whenever you're doing like local stuff then you have to try to like set up TMAC sessions or a server and then you have to do like tuple and get like all it, it adds a lot of complexity to it. Whereas now it's just like, Hey, the branch that I'm working on is called this. If you go to that dot productivity and tech.com, you can see the actual code. And if you go to GitHub, you can also see that branch. You can see the code that's there. So to me, that is a cleaner interface. And not to mention, since it is like a little branch and the branch isn't always 100% like guaranteed to show up, I'm okay if I just make that thing look absolutely horrendous because you'd have to know the exact name of the branch as I'm applying it. And I mean, if you do, good on you, I guess. I, I, I don't know, but it's not, this wasn't done for me to not be able to test in live quote unquote, it was done more for me to be able to test in live without live, what users would see being affected. And a quick shout out on that to, um, Paul Jarvis, someone who I have been following for years, someone whose newsletter is something that I look forward to every single week, who's now on hiatus, but that's okay. It'll come back in the fall. Like it always does. And then, uh, his book company of one, I need to get into that book. I've been sitting on it forever. I need to read it. But, uh, Paul Jarvis, a long time ago, created this product called fathom, which was a Google analytics competitor. Now I don't really care what your opinion is on Google analytics as far as like, Oh, it's Google, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Google for the most part is pretty stable. I don't, I don't have any qualms with Google. The thing that's getting me is that Google is a little expensive. Uh, for like the whole G suite style stuff. And I'm trying to limit that. But at the same time, Google is very, very complex and doing a lot of stuff that just doesn't make sense for me, uh, as a business owner. So I've decided to invest, uh, $15 a month into fathom for my analytics there. And as part of some day job pondering and playing with stuff, I'm going to be able, I'm going to be creating a few little projects. And the first one of those is a UTM campaign, uh, monitoring site. I don't quite know what 
that's going to look like for like the long term. Right now, it's just kind of a, hey, my day job needed something to track UTM campaigns, um, not just as we're using them for Google Analytics, but like for internal, like, hey, how many campaigns do we send for this? And we want to get that information quickly. And just that's just something that Google Analytics sucks at. So um, for my business, for Pitt, we're going to be using Fathom. Uh, for my job, we're going to still be using Google Analytics, which kind of sucks, but I'm also playing around with a little bit of that stuff using their uh, cloud analytics API from their Google Cloud platform. Uh, but that's what I've been up to. Uh, it's been a great week. I'm super excited about this. I wanted to put something out mostly because I'm using my wife's new mic. I can't wait to get my own mic. I might actually do another bonus episode when I get my mic just to test it. But also... Uh, yeah, just a lot of stuff happening in pit again, check out the newsletter for more information on that. And then also this stuff with zoom, I, I really don't know what my game plan is going forward. Uh, it's probably just going to be Skype because I'm lazy and I think Skype plus having my users record their in locally will suffice for now, but that's going to be it for today slash tonight i'm recording this again on monday this is going to go out probably on thursday morning ish so yeah uh it's been 20 minutes i've been rambling i'm jay miller this is productivity in tech if you want to hire me as an editor i am available i'm actually looking for more video and audio editing uh clients so if you have a podcast and you want to i don't know save yourself a few hours of your time by letting me handle the editing and the social media promotion and things, then hit me up productivityintech.com. There's buttons all over the site for stuff like that. Find the one that works for you. And of course, a uh, big shout out to the premium members who are going to get this as soon as I'm done recording. If you want to be one of those people, then become a premium member. You help support podcasting, independent podcasting. You also help to identify some of the things that helps drive what Pitt is all about. And for those that don't know, Pitt is a business. It, it is a full-fledged business that I run as the founder, co-founder with my wife, uh, where we edit content for people and we help developers create content for other developers. And if that's you and you're not sure how we can be of help to you, just ask. And I'm sure we'll sit down and figure it out. I've also been playing around with some gamers and stuff too, maybe helping them as well. But my focus is the developers. I love the developers. Developers, developers, developers. I'm Jay Miller. This is Productivity in Tech, and I am signing off. Until next time, I hope we've been productive.